All right. <clears throat> Catch me up. Um, I haven't been here in two judges weeks. Judges. Samson. Samson. How many judges have you learned about thus far? Can you name them? Many. Gideon. Samson. 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 I want <laughs> Samson is not the first judge. I know. <laughs> I want them in order. Caleb's nephew. Okay, hold on. <laughs> this is not the first time I've done this to you guys, so I don't know why this is... I never is... remember Caleb, the name of the first one. Othniel, winner! I remember that it's Caleb's nephew. Alright, do we remember anything special about Othniel? No. No. <laughs> Man, we've done such a good job teaching. Ehud is the next one. And then there's Deborah! Then, no, the one verse one. Yep. Steps. Deborah is number four, I'll give you that. Shamgar. Yep. Then Deborah. Then Kevin? No. Uh, number five. He's a mighty man of valor. Gideon. Alright. He's a mighty man. <laughs> Wait, really? <gasps> I found Oprah. Uh, the next two are, are quick quick hitters, one or two verses. Uh, uh, I'm expecting you to remember these. <laughs> no. I'm expecting you to remember them because we're going over them. No. Uh, uh, still in Gideon. <laughs> There's that tag, the tag on Gideon, right? A postscript. Abimelech? No. Abimelech. Yeah. He's not a judge. He's a bad guy. Come on. You learned this. Lebanon? Lebanon is a place. <laughs> there, there's there's a there's Jephthah. also one in Tennessee. Jephthah. Jephthah is not the next one. He's the seventh, right? Uh he is the seventh. Wait, Jephthah is a judge? Uh no, Jephthah's the eighth. I thought he was just like somewhere in the uh, No, Jephthah is a judge. I mean that was my last lesson. The only other eight? one I can find is a bummer. Jephthah is the eighth. Wait, uh, but Abimelech is in chapter 10 and Jephthah is in chapter 11. Whoa! They're, they're that short, yes. Literally one or two verses, can you find them? Qua? Uh, we've got Tola, you find that? Yeah, Tola, the son of Qua. And the next one, since you're right there? Jephthah. No. Yeah. Tola, then. Oh, um, Jair. Jair. Oh. oh yeah. Alright. And then what well, we all started with Samson. Samson. Alright. You guys did two weeks on Samson, so you should know everything about him. Yes. He was not Before he was born, his mother couldn't drink. Okay. So uh, do you guys know what what that vow that he took? What that was called? Nazarite vow. Very good. Alright, and God blessed him with what? Strength. Strength. Alright. Um, who was his main enemy? The Philistines. Very good. Alright. Uh, what are some like major stories? Deborah. No, Delilah. He killed a lion, right? He ripped it apart. <laughs> but why was that slightly a problem? Because he can't touch that thing. But then he went back and ate that. Yeah, and then he told a riddle about having the honey in it, and then his wife cheated. Yeah, betrayed him. No, yep. and then he, he killed a lot of people and stole the clothes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said, wait, why'd you do that? And then they got angry. Yeah, well, I think he made a lot of people angry, just well, with the way like, he was. Well, they were like, you get these clothes if 
You win and we get clothes if we win and he didn't give them normal clothes. He just like stole clothes from dead people that he that he had just killed. Yeah, they're, they're dead friends. <laughs> this looks like. <laughs> I think there's like a, a time like... period. Yeah, I think in all technicalities, like a. Is it like three days? Like something like. Before? Yeah. Maybe something he like just general. ripped them off and like gave them like ripped clothes. Yeah, but we know that that when you die, your spirit leaves right away. Um, so, okay, then what? We got that. He got. He, did he like destroy some crops? And tied a. Yeah. Pretty quick, dude. To their tails, and then they ran through the fields. All right, and then how how did he meet his end? Because Deborah. Got captured. Not Deborah. Delilah. <laughs> <laughs> Not Deborah. Okay. Delilah. Uh, what did Delilah do? And she was like, "Tell me your secret. I want to know." And then he was like, "Okay," and he told her something that wasn't right. And then she just yeah. kept asking, and then finally told her. And then she cut his hair, and then they came in. Even though she already did it, and then I think. I think we talked about the reason he lost his strength isn't because he like didn't it's not follow his vows. It's because he thought God's gonna get me out of this every single time, so I can just keep messing up. And then right. they gouged his eyes out. <coughs> Pretty terrible. Okay. <laughs> then, Wait, did you get to the part with the pillars yet? Not yet. Oh, oh, great. Great. No, then the pillars. Yeah, they tied him. No, and then he made like grain or something. Yeah, uh, he, uh, yeah that. Okay. No, yeah. All right, and then he brought down. So it's the end, right? What? How does he? They, then he was like, "Please, I'm sorry. Give yeah. me strength one more time." Okay. And then he destroyed <clears throat> the whole. All right, y'all pass. That was last week. Huh? Yes. That was last week. Yep. Um, okay. So. Um, that is Samson is the last judge, but we're not done with the book of Judges. So what's left? What do you think? Any guesses? Anybody know? Nope, nope. Oh, there's no king of Israel. Okay, so answer me this. Here's your hint to the answer to my question. Who is the main character in the book of Judges? I disagree. It's God. I disagree that it's God also. Is it like the entire... Jewish. No, it's the Israelites. Winner. Then why did you say character? Yeah, but it's yeah as a as a group, right? As a group, yeah. Main character. All right, is the Israelites? Yes. Main characters. I asked the question that way to throw you off. <laughs> All right. So yes, the judges are important, and we can learn a lot from them. But really, this book is a history of the cycle of decline of the people of Israel. They do something wrong, they plead for help from God. God saves them. They're okay for a little while, and then they fall back. Uh, so we watch them enter the promised land back with Joshua. Right? They do okay. Uh, they do an okay job of following God's orders and taking over the promised land. But because they didn't do that job a hundred percent. There's what left? The people who were there already, right? And so as time passes, the cultures mix, and we just see this 400 years of decline. So in these last five chapters uh, of the book, we're going to look at a few stories uh, that don't necessarily have that hero, that the judge, but instead we can learn from Israel's bad examples. 
All right, this week and next week, we're going to do a couple of those. Side note, something I find interesting. Uh, these chapters that we're about to look at are uh, pretty obscure and almost never taught on, but they show uh, that Israel in a pretty bad light, right? It's not a good look on Israel. Uh, it's not brought up a lot, but bad history is some good evidence of the legitimacy of the Bible. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you're a historian at that time or you're even a scribe whose job it is to write or transcribe the book of Judges, uh, you might be tempted, if you know it weren't a holy book, to leave out the bad stuff and only say good things about your country and all of that. But because uh, we have the, this bad stuff, it's relatively unique in this scope of ancient history. Uh, and I think that's interesting and a good point of evidence. That's what I like to think about. Anyhow, let's jump in. Uh, we're going to start at Judges chapter 17. <clears throat> Jays. Judges chapter 17, start us off at verse 1, please. We'll go around. And there was a man of Mount Ephraim whose name was Micah. And he said unto his mother, The eleven hundred shekels of silver that were taken from thee, about which thou cursedst, and spakest of also in mine ears, behold, the silver is with me. I took it. And his mother said, Blessed be thou of the Lord thy son. And when he had restored the eleven of silver to his mom, and uh, his mom said, I have dedicated the silver unto the Lord from my hand for my son to make a good and image and a molten image uh, now therefore I will restore it unto thee. Yet he restored the money unto his mother and his mother took two hundred shekels of silver and gave them to the founder who made thereof a graven image and a molten image and they were in the house of Micah. Alright. Uh, so four verses in, what do we know about this guy Micah? He stole money but then he gave it back to his mom and his mom gave it to God and then he made so a molten would be something that's casted, and then graven is something that's carved. What do we think of Micah? He's like, um, what's his name? Robin Hood. Uh, no, he's stealing from his mother. Is that Wait, okay? Wait, he stole from his mother? Yes. Yeah, but like, he No, he took that money from his mom. <laughs> And she's going around and is like, curse that person who stole it, you know, oh. you know, and then, and then he's that, those, the curses that his mom is saying freak him out and he gives the money back. Oh, at least that is not what I told <laughs> Well, that's why we're clarifying here because this is a really weird exchange. All right. Um, so he's a stealer and a liar. Uh, so something for context, uh, 10 shekels is about like a, an okay annual wage. So 1,100 shekels is a lot of money. All right. Uh, it, it is, all right. So uh, how do we think the mom reacted when she got her money back? 
Wow, look at my shackles. No, I have them. I think she was. Well, did he tell her that it was him? It yeah. It says that um, she dedicated all the money to God. So but, but what? It's like, oh, I have all this money, but now that I have it back, I'm going to do something different with it. Oh, is that she only she ended up using 200 out of the 1100 for making these images. She kept the rest. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. Have 200 shekels. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right. Here's another thing to consider. If uh, your friend stole money from you and then gave it back, would you say praise be to God to your friend? No. Like for your friend? No. You'd be mad at them. Really? Right? Right? It's a really weird exchange. Uh, she is more concerned about having the money and getting it back than raising a good son. Right? Because she didn't reprimand him at all. All right, that's, so the reason we're being told this story is because it's a picture into the culture of Israel right now. All right, so this is the state of the family dynamics. They're stealing from each other. They're, you know, they're selfish, all of this. So just keep all of this in mind as we keep going. Uh, so answer me this next question. What does God say about images, graven images, molten images, idols like this? Oh, they're bad. They're bad. Okay. Uh, let's actually read the text. Uh, turn quick to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus. Keep your finger in Judges. We're going back. Exodus only, please. Exodus chapter 20, verse 4. Whoever's next. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Okay, so this is what section of text? This Moses. So the title under this section is the Ten Commandments. Absolutely. All right. So this is one of the ten big rules that Moses gives everybody. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's a pretty big deal. Uh, so how easy was it for Micah to go out and get, and his mom to go out and get these images made? Pretty easy, right? So this is another thing to think about, right? We've got this culture in Israel right now where God said no, no matter what, and they can just go out to the store and order it and get it, right? Um, so we don't necessarily know if these idols were meant to be images of the one true God or some other uh, false God, but does that matter? Yeah. No, it does not. You're right. Think about the Israelites at the base of Mount Sinai, right? When they made that golden calf. And they claim that it's an image of the God that brought them out of Israel, right? The one true God. However, what does Moses do when he finds that? Yes, he does. All right. He's, pre it's, he's pretty upset. So it doesn't matter. God says no, no matter what. We can't be like the other religions uh, that worship idols and images, even if it's an image of the one true God. All right, let's keep going. We're back in Judges chapter 17, picking it up at verse 5. Teraphim. Consecrated. In those days there was no king in Israel. 
But every man did that which was right. All right, so what's an ephod? Bible scholars. Uh, no, it's it's a piece of clothing that the high priest would wear. Oh, it's oh, yeah. like that metal, like, golden one. Long, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then like... All right, and then, uh, so teraphim are, like, other little small, like, household uh, idols. Um, you see these a lot, like, when they do uh, ancient excavations. Uh, in archaeology, there's like the household gods, they had little teraphim. So that's, that's what we're talking about there. Uh, so Micah takes his sin one step further and sets up his own little religion in his house. All right. He's got a high priest now. He's got this uh, thing that looks like what the high priest, uh, uh, you know, the actual high priest would wear. And he's just trying to copy it a little bit. Uh, where should the center of religion be at this point in history? So eventually the, the temple ends up... I'm, I'm asking for a physical location. Oh. So eventually the temple ends up in Jerusalem. Right? But the Jerusalem isn't the capital city right now. There's actually no capital city because it's all just the tribes. Israel isn't unified. Isn't it the tribe of Levi? So the tribe of Levi is the, they don't necessarily have any land, but they are ministers of God and they do all of the services at the temples or the, uh, like the local churches. Um, so have you guys ever heard of Shiloh? Oh, yeah. This is where the Ark of the Covenant is. This is where the tabernacle is. What's the tabernacle? Yep, it's what was before the actual temple. Uh, it was had plans that were given to Moses by God, and that's where the center of the Jewish religion is right now. And that tabernacle is in Shiloh, which is actually not too far away from Micah's house. Okay. So everybody should be going to Shiloh to do their business with God for sacrifices and whatnot. Instead, Micah sets up this false gathering place and even sets up his son as a priest and starts holding services, right? Another thing to note, you'll see the phrase, there is no king in Israel, repeated a few times over the next few chapters, all right? So this is obviously true in the human sense because there's no judge, there's no unifying force, there's no actual king. Uh, but something to consider is it says it when it's also true spiritually. All right. So what could that mean spiritually? Correct. God is the spiritual king, and if everybody just you know listened to God and prayed and did what they said, they wouldn't need an actual king. God would be the unifying force, but they're rejecting him. Uh, so there is truly no king in Israel. Let's pick it back up. Reading Judges chapter 17, verse 7, please. Uh, what does it mean to be a Levite? We kind of talked about it a little bit. Yeah, very good. Keep going. Why would a Levite need a place? That's true, but God took care of them still. How? They live in the temples or in the synagogues. 
right? So if he was in Bethlehem, he should have had a place in the synagogue of Bethlehem, but he left for some reason. So, that, you know, think about that. Why would he leave as we learn more about this Levite? Keep going. Sojourn. Then said Micah, Now know I, the Lord, will do me good, seeing I have a Levite to my priest. All right. Uh, so now Micah has a Levite on board. All right. Think about it. Why would that Levite want to leave? You guys have an idea now? Because he's not actually serving for to the goal of serving the Lord. All right. He's out of getting paid to do it. He's looking for a different situation. So he was searching for this false thing where he was going to get paid, right? Uh, and that's why he was out looking around. Uh, in the eyes of the Israelites, adding in this Levite uh, adds legitimacy to Micah's false religion, all right? But we know that it just makes Micah's falsehood a better copycat, Right? It's a better copycat of the real thing. Do we have anything like Micah's copycat in the modern world? Yes. Absolutely. Can you think of anything? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's a good copycat. Uh, Mormonism and... Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I won't touch Catholicism, but uh, I was thinking of um, Jehovah's Witnesses are good copycats, right? Uh, on the surface, they claim to be uh, Christians, but you know, when you get into the details, they don't necessarily follow all of the things in the Bible. Uh, I would also claim that like general spirituality is a good copycat. You guys know what I mean when I say that? Yeah. Have you ever heard somebody say, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual? Yeah. Yes. All right. <laughs> so... Well, right. So we see that contradiction, but because uh, we know that there's only one true God. So if you're, you know, to be spiritual would be, you would have to then therefore be religious. But uh, they've got this copycat thing where they're satisfying, you know, part of the whole that is in every human to have a spiritual relationship with God. But it's still a falsehood, right? Uh, the other thing that could be considered this is where Christian churches kind of redefine some of God's commandments. you think of any examples of that? One of the ones that I think of is Jesus tells us to not forsake gathering together to worship. All right? Uh, so does remote church count as gathering together as Jesus tells us to do? You're right, all right? We can't redefine 
remote church as gathering together, right? But a lot of people say, oh, I'm still going to church. I've got it pulled up on my phone. I'm listening while I'm doing other things. All right, that's not what God really told us to do. We can't be satisfied with that. Don't get me wrong. Remote services are an enormous blessing, right? They're a great thing. There's nothing wrong with them. And they allow us to spread the gospel farther than we ever could, farther than we ever could have imagined. But we can't replace gathering together with, you know, actual church in a building with a body of believers with those remote services. So it's a little like, uh, you know, doing those remote services might be a little like Micah's Shrine uh, instead of going to the tabernacle if you do that only. Does that make sense? Uh, so make sure we look for those redefinitions, you know, make sure that we're actually doing what Jesus has told us to do. So Micah has this fake religion set up in Israel. Let's see what the consequences of that thing is. We're going to pick it up in chapter 18, starting at verse 1. Who are the Danites? Correct. They're one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Hmm? There are two half tribes. Uh, so why don't they have a dwelling? Why don't they have that inheritance? They're not a half tribe. Ephraim and Manasseh are the half tribes. Everybody was assigned land, but if you didn't do a good job of taking it over, you would have gotten kicked out later. So that's what happened to the tribe of Dan here, right? They lost their inheritance because they didn't do what God said in the first place. Uh, remind me, why is there no king in Israel? There's, right, they're not following God. They're rejecting God, right? It's a spiritual lack of a king as well as a physical one. Keep going, verse 2. And I have a dance with the family five men from the <coughs> coast. And Bella from Zor and East and East. Eshtaol. And they said unto them, Go search the land who when they came to the mountain Ephraim to the house of Micah, they, they lodged there. When they were by the house of Micah, they knew the voice of the young man, the Levite, and they turned in thither. And said unto him, Who brought thee hither? And what markest thou in this place? And what hast thou here? And he said, er, and he said unto them, Thus, thus and thus dwelleth Micah with me, and have hired me, and I am his priest. And he said unto them, Ask counsel, we pray, be of God, that we may know whether our way which we go shall be prosperous. And the priest said unto them, go in peace before the Lord is your way wherein you Okay, uh, so 
Think about how twisted Israel is right now. All right, so these Danites, there's five of them. They're sent out to search for a new place for their tribe to live. And they go to Micah's house and they stay there for a little bit. And they ask the Levite, you know, this false religion for a false assurance that they're going to be successful. And the Levite gives them a false answer, right? And everyone is happy. That's how twisted everything is right now in Israel. Keep going. Zidonians. That's what it is. Hanadan. All right. Uh, so what just happened? <laughs> Some big words there. Tough ones. What just happened? Summarize for me. They left Micah. They went to this city and saw that they liked it. Essentially what that means is there was, there's no like king that was also over that city that could like retaliate, right? The other Zidonians live really far away and they don't deal with them too much. So it's uh, almost like free to take. There won't be too much backlash. <clears throat> and then they go back to the other Danites and do what? They do. Uh, notice how the five Danites, they passed that false assurance uh, on to the other, the rest of the tribe, right? They said, you know, the, the Lord is with us because of what the Levite said, but we know that that's not necessarily true. All right, I'm going to keep reading here. Make sure you're paying attention because I'm going to ask you for another summary. We're going to finish out the chapter. Uh, or at least go to verse 21. Uh, and they passed thence unto Mount Ephraim and came unto the house of Micah. Then answered the five men that went to spy out in the country of Laish and said unto the brethren, Do ye know that there is in this house an ephod and teraphim and a graven image and a molten image? Now therefore consider what we have to do. And they turned thitherward and came to the house of the young man, the Levite, even unto the house of Micah, and saluted him. And the six hundred men appointed with their weapons of war, which were at 
which were of the children of Dan, stood by the entering of the gate. And the five men that went to spy out the land went up and came in thither and took the graven image and the ephod and the teraphim and the molten image. And the priest stood in the entering of the gate with the 600 men that were appointed with weapons of war. And these went into Micah's house and fetched the carved image, the ephod and the teraphim and the molten image. Then said the priest unto them, What do ye? And they said unto him, Hold thy peace, lay thine hand upon thy mouth, and go with us, and be to us a father and a priest. Is it better for thee to be a priest unto the house of one man, or that thou be a priest unto a tribe and a family in Israel? And the priest's heart was glad, and he took the ephod and the teraphim and the graven image, and went in the midst of the people. So they turned and departed, and put the little ones in the cattle and the carriage before them. What just happened? They went to Micah's house. They saw all the idols and stuff and took them. And they said to the priest, hey, you should come with us because you, it would be better for you to preach to all of us than to just one guy. So they all left. Why did the Levite essentially let things happen and then go with them? Yeah, he's serving for the benefits of the service. Again, not for the, his devotion to God, right? So, you know, the lesson here is beware of leaders like that, right? Make sure that they're doing things for the right reasons. We're going to keep going. I'm going to keep reading. And when they were a good away from the house of Micah, the men that were in the houses near to Micah's house were gathered together and overtook the children of Dan. And they cried unto the children of Dan, and they turned their faces and said unto Micah, What aileth thee that thou comest with such a company? And he said, Ye have taken away my gods which I made, and the priest, and ye are gone away. And what have I more? And what is this that ye say unto me, What aileth thee? And the children of Dan said unto him, Let not thy voice be heard among us, lest angry fellows run upon thee, and thou lose thy life for the lives of thy household. And the children of Dan went their way, and when Micah saw that they were too strong for him, he turned and went back into his house. What just happened? Yeah, you got it. All right, we're going to keep going. Uh, and they took the things which Micah had made and the priest which he had and came unto Laish, unto a people that were quiet and secure. And they smote them with the edge of the sword and burnt the city with fire. And there was no deliverer because it was far from Zidon. And they had no business with any man. And it was in the valley that lieth by Beth Rohab. And they built a city and dwelt therein. And they called the name of the city Dan, after the name of Dan their father, who was born unto Israel. Howbeit the name of the city was Laish at the first. And the children of Dan set up the graven image, and Jonathan the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, he and the sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land. And they set them up Micah's graven image, which he had made all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. So what's the end result of Micah's sin? Yeah, you got it. The entire tribe of Dan accepts this false religion, which you know is a much greater reach than just Micah's house, right? It's one twelfth of the entire nation. Uh, so here's what we should learn, right? 
The immorality of Israel at this time is so profound and widespread that they willingly accept this new false religion without questioning it. Right? They know that they should follow God, and this looks good enough for them. They don't, you know, they don't have much care beyond that. The second thing that you should learn is everybody is in a state of self-service, right? The Levite's out for himself. Uh, the mother's out for herself. Micah is, is the same. They do whatever they think is right for themselves at that given moment. There's not really a true standard of right and wrong. And three, they've distorted and redefined or just completely forgotten God's commandments, right? So these points have plenty of modern parallels for us, right? Uh, we... I would say that one of the things that our society tends to blindly accept might be this religion of science, right? Everybody says, I'll just follow the science. Uh, not that science is bad, but a lot of people just worship it blindly, right? It's, gotta, it's science. It's got to be right, right? Uh, the other th parallel would be like our selfish morality. Uh, have you ever heard <clears throat> somebody say, I don't care what anybody else does as long as it doesn't affect me, all right? Uh, this results in a bad sense of right versus wrong, right? Your conscience is shifted as long as it doesn't affect you. You don't care what anybody else does. And then, you know, we also have redefined commandments, right? This general spirituality versus religion, uh, you know, passive religions where you're not actively engaged, uh, where, you know, any religion that doesn't ask you to do anything, you're not getting anything out of. But that's what people want these days. They don't want to be tested or tried, right? So God calls us to be different from the rest of the world, and that's why we're taking a look at these kind of obscure verses and chapters that aren't really taught a lot. Uh, and, you know, hopefully we can choose not to do what the rest of the world is doing, not be like Micah, right? So next week we'll keep going. I hope you guys have a great week. Thank you very much.